Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 115. Wait a minute. That's not right. This is episode 141. <laughs> I don't know where 115 came from, but this is episode 141. We're going to be in John 15 today. We're going to talk about the myth of contextualization, and we're going to talk about the hatred of the world. So welcome. Hope you're doing well. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we need wisdom and direction. We always do. I just ask that you would help me as I'm talking out of John 15. Help us to learn all the pastoral lessons we can from Jesus. We thank you for his words. They're so sharp. They're so pointed, and yet they're so unbelievably helpful. And, and help us to lean into them and just learn how to pastor people from Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you're doing well today. We're doing really well. Family's doing good. Church family's doing good. We're getting ready to move into our new building. And so last week, there was a lot of building, a lot of the building process that was underway. And so there's painting, there's tearing down walls, there's building fences for the kids outside. There's a lot of new things happening, and it's really exciting. We're, we're moving into a lot bigger building, which is going to be really good for our church family. And uh, we've partnered with another church, Lakeland Baptist Church, and it's, it's been so great. They have let us rent the building for $500 a month, and then we're going to be taking care of utilities and, and a few other things as well. But it, it works out really well. God has always taken care of our church family with the buildings that we've met in. In fact, this is the first time ever in our five and a half year history that we've paid anything for rent. We've only paid utilities and just been places for free. And so this is, we're still going to be in here for probably around a thousand dollars a month total. It's just unbelievable how God is taking care of us. You know, he's just faithful. It's pretty cool. All right, John 15. Let's first, before we get into John 15, let's talk about contextualization for a little bit. Contextualization was something that was really big 15, 20 years ago. Tim Keller talked about contextualization. I think he still does all the time. He wrote a little paper on it, and I read the paper. I got it from from I got it from some Acts 29 guys. I think I got it from Darren Patrick in St. Louis at an Acts 29 quarterly or something like that. I read this little paper on contextualization, and at first it made a lot of sense. And uh, then over time, as I started to think through what really was happening with that idea, with that concept of contextualizing the gospel based on where you are, are you city, are you rural, what city are you in, what region of the country are you in, you know, really make sure you understand your city and how you can present the gospel to them. The reason this began to break down for me is we were learning, rural pastors were learning about contextualization from all these urbanites. I mean, learning their principles from urbanites. And, you know, we could understand them. And me, a Southern Illinois guy, I was listening to sermons and just hooked on all these sermons from people all over the country. They weren't guys from my region. They weren't guys from my area. They spoke the same language, which was which was contextualization enough but here we have all these small town people all over the country and all these city pastors learning from these guys in urban centers all over the place in the United States. And we understood what they were talking about. They were not in our context, and yet we knew what they were talking about. And then here's how it worked with large churches, okay? Churches that would regularly talk about contextualization would open up campuses in different cities and they would preach the exact same sermons. So it was like this with a church in St. Louis. They opened a church in, in our area, totally different context, but the sermons were beamed in via video, and there you go. You have so-called contextualization thrown out the window because you have a pastor preaching in a city, and he's preaching the exact same sermon to people who are in a rural setting. And so even the people who talked about contextualization a lot, 
they really weren't consistent in their application of it. They were taking their sermons and putting them into all sorts of uh, different contexts and trusting that God was going to use them, and God did. I mean, God did it. If there's not a language barrier there, and you are clearly presenting the gospel, that is contextualization enough. So let me tell you the, the ugly underbelly behind contextualization and why I think that gathered so much steam. I think that over the last 30 years in the missional church movement, and missional I think is a very good thing, and I think it's Michael Foster that I've heard talk about this, and, and this is what I originally meant by missional. When, when I meant missional, when I first got into ministry, what I was talking about is, is you are going out into the workplace, and you are living as a Christian, and being the best Christian you can be in the workplace, and telling people about Jesus, and modeling the implications of the gospel through your work ethic. And so you're building relationships with people, and then you're getting uh, to know them, and then you're going to tell them about Jesus, and it may offend them, but you're going to get to tell them about Jesus. But what quickly happened with contextualization and, and missiology, what ended up being caught is that you could live in such a way and present the gospel in such a way that the world would not be offended, but they would be compelled. That they would somehow turn their attention to the church based on our contextualization efforts and our missiology, and they would be wowed or ooed and odd into the kingdom of God. And what I think has happened, and you see this with celebrity pastors, Somehow or another, evangelism got equated with being liked by the world, not being offensive, or blunting the edge of the words of the scriptures in such a way that you could call it winsome, and then you could get a listening ear, so the world would lean in and listen. And I think that's very misguided. And I think it's very misguided for passages like this in John 15. Listen to this. This is John 15, and this is Jesus speaking. If the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You don't find passages like that preached at a missiology conference or a contextualization conference. What happened is that people were actually saying that if the world hates you, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something incorrectly. Because after all, remember, qualification to be an elder, and one of the things we're doing here is shattering these notions that they're somehow at odds with each other, Jesus and the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. You've got to be well thought of by outsiders, remember. So if the world hates you, you're doing something wrong. And there's a way to be well thought of by outsiders. But yes, you have to be a man of ethics. But the world is going to hate you. There's nothing you can do, nothing whatsoever you can do to keep the world from hating you. Unless you're of the world. If you're of the world, if you look like the world, if you talk like the world, if you contextualize so much and if you missionalize so much that you look the exact same as everybody in the evil world following the prince of the power of the air, okay, then you're going to fit in pretty well with them. And you're going to end up being more okay offending Christians than you are non-Christians. You're going to end up selling out because you love the world. You're going to end up being like Demas, in love with this present world. You can't bear the thought of the world hating you. But... The world always will hate you because you were chosen out of the world. This is what Jesus said, and it's so clear. A servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Now, I just did a wedding this last weekend. And at this wedding, there were some non-Christians there, and I dared to use the word submission. Well, through the grapevine, I heard that there was a lady that was walking out, and she said, that pastor was an idiot. Only, And, and she said something like, only animals submit. <laughs> Like, all right, well, that's, that's the scriptures. And you know what? It doesn't bother me. You laugh that away. You laugh it off. Because the world is going to hate the truth. They're going to hate you. 
And so if they persecuted Jesus, and this is, I say that, you know, very lightly, that wasn't persecution, they're going to persecute you. Now, you've got to prepare your people for this. You've got to prepare your people to not be liked by the world. I'm going through Galatians right now. Just started this this Sunday, and I'm so excited about this book, just because it's a book that God used to change my life back in 2004. I had a gentleman that took me through the book, and my world really was turned upside down with the grace of God. And I'm never really going to be the same. But here's what Paul said. If anyone is preaching to a gospel contrary to the one he received, let him be accursed. And then verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, let me just put this out there for you to think about and wrestle with. I think a lot of contextualization in modern missiology is trying to please men. It's just trying to make a more palpable message for people. And it's just trying to be a people pleaser. You want to be liked by the world. And I think there are many pastors that are pursuing pastoral ministry and trying to be winsome. They're trying to be wise. They're trying to be cutting edge. They're trying to be fill in the blank. And what they really want is the praise of the world. And I honestly believe this. I think that is driving much of the missiological circles, much of the cool church movement, much of the contextualization wave over the last 30 years. It's just trying to please people. What if we took the words of Christ seriously and just understood that we're going to be hated by the world? And what if we just owned it? We just leaned into it. We weren't shocked or surprised by it. And I think if we would pastor like Jesus and prepare people like Jesus did, hey, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated. A servant's not greater than the master. So therefore, this is what's going to happen to you. This is what's coming. The world is going to hate you. I chose you out of the world. And friends, that is true today because Jesus chose you out of the world. You're going to be hated by the world. That's true for pastors, and that's true for every single believer. we got to prepare our people for it. Guys, I hope you have a great week. Please subscribe, share, uh, leave a rating and review. would love for you to help me pass the word about this. Thanks so much for coming yet again. Have a great week.